Hey friends, Pastor Andrew here. Thanks for taking the time to listen in on our sermons here at Asheville First Church of the Nazarene. We post these even though they were preached in a specific time at a specific place to a certain community of people, hoping that God still might use them to speak to you wherever you are. Father, we do thank you for all that you have done for us. It is incredible love and grace that we celebrate today and we, we thank you for and that you have not le- left us orphaned, Lord, um, that we are never alone and that your love and grace are with us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that we might not only grow in our understanding, Lord, but just grow closer to you and how your love plays out in our lives and how we receive that through the Spirit. And so uh, we do ask that the Spirit would be here during this time as we open your word. May you bless these words, however incomplete, uh, however fallible that they are, that your Spirit would turn them into the truth of the gospel for us this morning. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, turn with me, if you, if you have your Bible with you, to Romans chapter 8. We read the Pentecost story, and that is what we are celebrating today and thinking about, but we've been in a series in in Romans, and uh, Paul is no stranger to the need and the power and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, today we're going to mix it up a little bit while considering the story. We're going to look at what John has for us, Uh, what he tells the church in Rome in this section um, is packed with the power of the Spirit for our daily lives as Christians. And so we'll look at starting in verse 9, at chapter 8, verse 9 through verse 27. But you are not in the flesh, you are in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, The Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies, also through His Spirit that dwells in you. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by your spirit you put to death the the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. In fact, we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. 
and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. But the very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, you know, we, we celebrate uh, certain parts of the church year and, and uh, events very well. Uh, we, we celebrate uh, Christmas like no other. We have decorations, we have Christmas dinner, and, and uh, we, we just have a whole season leading up to Christmas. We Easter, we blow the doors out, and He is risen, and we got responsive things, and we're... But we don't celebrate Pentecost too well. In fact, you know, many of us may not have thought, of, you know, coming to church Sunday that this was even Pentecost Sunday. We don't have Pentecost luncheons. We don't have Pentecost family dinner. Uh, we don't put too much effort in Pentecost sometimes. We, we kind of, it's easily overlooked. And I think there's two reasons for this. I think the first reason is because we just have trouble sometimes talking about the Spirit. You know, we're fine. We talk about God the Father and we understand that. We understand God the Son and, and sent the Son and became human for us and, and died for us and we're tracking with it. But then we, we kind of treat the Holy Spirit just like an add-on. Uh, we sometimes struggle to talk about the Spirit because it's not as concrete as we'd like. And sometimes either we, we say, oh, the Spirit, or we just insert the Spirit everywhere. And every time we get a clearance at Macy's, we say, oh, there's the Spirit at work, right? Um, and, and neither extreme is good. And so we struggle, I think, with Pentecost sometimes because we struggle not only understanding it, but just how to talk about the Holy Spirit as the third person in the Trinity. Uh, but I think we also uh, struggle with it because really what we're celebrating in Pentecost is also the birth of the church. We are celebrating the gift of the Holy Spirit and the birth of the church, of God's movement in the world for the revolution of God's love and God's kingdom in the world. And so I think, for honest, sometimes we probably think, well, we got to celebrate coming to this place, sitting around these people, you know. Uh, sometimes that was a joke. I like, I like coming to this place with you, because you can laugh. Uh, but really, you know, we're not good at sometimes celebrating the church. Um, we, we always want to celebrate what's out there and, and what's coming, but also we should celebrate what we have here together of the fellowship of Christians. But sometimes we're not do that because today is a, is a very important day. It is something incredibly worth celebrating. The gift of the Holy Spirit is right up there with the gift of the Son to us. And the gift of the church, if we had to do it on our own, we couldn't. If it wasn't for the sending of the Spirit to invigorate the body of Christ, the church itself, none of us would be here this morning. We would still be lost in our sins. In fact, Paul says, if you don't have the Spirit, you are not united with Christ. 
Do we have our attention yet of the importance of the Holy Spirit? Right? Last week, we went into depth in Paul in Romans chapter 6, and we talked about the power over sin, and the way we have salvation is that we are united with Christ. And what Paul is hearing here, he hasn't forgotten about that. He's drawing that in and says the way we are united with Christ is through the power of the Holy Spirit in us. So if we want to be united with Christ, we should be celebrating the gift of the Holy Spirit that unites us with Christ, that is at work in us, drawing us into God. And this is, this is a pretty large section that Paul is talking about, different aspects of the Holy Spirit. Um, and and we, could, we could be here all day filling out the work of the Spirit from the very beginning in Genesis 1, where the Spirit hovers over the waters of chaos and to the end, how in Revelation, the Spirit is at work drawing us together to be the bride of Christ. Um, but today, I, I want to just use this Romans chapter 8 to offer three things for us that Paul is pointing out that the Spirit does. Um, and you know, I know just from experience and, and being where you sat, if I rattled off three things and three, three theological things and just threw them at you, one, two, three, most of us, as we pulled out of the parking lot, wouldn't be able to say the three things. And so this morning, I'd like to use one of my favorite movies and one of my favorite movie clips to help illustrate this point to us, because I think a lot of us are visual learners. And so if we remember, Pastor showed us that funny little clip uh, to narrate how closely the Spirit works in us, that we might remember these three points. And so I have a clip from one of my favorite movies, The Lion King. I've talked about The Lion King before. That was the first movie I saw in theaters as a first grader uh, and loved it. And it's actually really uncanny how much this clip uh, mirrors Paul's writing here in Romans chapter 8. Uh, let me set it up before Marilyn plays it for us. If you've never seen the movie very quickly, uh, Simba is the main lion here we're going to see. Simba is the son of the king. Surely I see you smiling. I'm sure you've watched this more than you can count with the boys. Um, but Simba is the child of the king, the lion, you know, the king of the jungle. Uh, and Simba's father died and Simba was exiled and he's just hiding out. And the kingdom is suffering. Um, you know, the circle of life has been broken and uh, Simba's missing his father and he feels bad. And here this scene we're going to see one of his father's most trusted advisors catching up with Simba in his adulthood. And that advisor is Rafiki. And if you already want to be thinking as you're watching the clip, why is Pastor showing this? Rafiki is our metaphor of the Holy Spirit. The monkey is the, the metaphor for the Holy Spirit. So think about that as you watch this clip. Creepy little monkey. Will you stop following me? Who are you? The question is, who? Are you? I thought I knew. Now I'm not so sure. Well, I know who you are. Shh, come here. It's a secret. Enough already. What is that supposed to mean, anyway? It means you're a baboon. And I'm not. <laughs> I think you're a little confused. Wrong. I'm not the one who's confused. You don't even know who you are. Oh, and I suppose you know. Sure do. You're Mufasa's boy. <gasps> Bye. Hey, wait! You knew my father? Correction, I know your father. 
I hate to tell you this, but he died a long time ago. Nope, wrong again. <laughs> He's alive, and I'll show him to you. You follow old Rafiki, he knows the way. Come on. That's not my father. It's just my reflection. No. Look hard. You see, he lives in you. forgotten me. Look inside yourself, Simba. You are more than what you have become. You must take your place in the circle of life. How can I go back? I'm not who I used to be. Remember who you are. You are my son and the one true king. Peculiar, don't you think? Yeah. Looks like the winds are changing. Ah, change is good. Yeah, but it's not easy. I know what I have to do, but going back means I'll have to face my past. I've been running from it for so long. Ow! Jeez, what was that for? It doesn't matter. It's in the past. <laughs> yeah, but it still hurts. Oh, yes, the past can't hurt. But the way I see it, you can either run from it or learn from it. Ah! You see? So what are you going to do? First, I'm gonna take your stick. No, 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 no! Not your stick! Hey! Where are you going? I'm going back! Get out of here! <laughs> All right, 
Rafiki and the work of the Holy Spirit. How does that come together? The first thing that Paul tells us that the Holy Spirit's work in us does is it reminds us of who we are. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think one of the most critical pieces of the spiritual life, what I see people struggle with and I've preached about, is to remember who we are. One of my favorite lines in that is when Mufasa says, you've forgotten who you are. And he says, no, I haven't. He says, yes, you have. And in forgetting, or you've forgotten me. He says, no, I haven't. And he says, when forgetting who you are, you have forgotten me. And that when we don't live into our identity as children of God, now that we have come to Christ, Paul says we are co-heirs with Christ, but then when we don't live into that, we've forgotten not only who we are, we've forgotten who God is as our good Father who loves us. We've forgotten what Christ has done for us, and we're not living into it. People, I see people struggle with it, and I know we struggle with it because so many times who we are is often wrapped up in what we do. Who we are is wrapped up in how big our paycheck is or how big our house is. Who we are is what often the world says we are. Who we are is often whether people like us or they don't like us. It is wrapped up in success and failure in the world's ideas of identity. And those messages I've talked about are preached to us so strongly that we, even as Christians, go out into the world and we forget who we are and we start chasing other things and we step into fear and uh, pursuing those things other than God. And we forget that we are a child of the King. And oftentimes it happens during difficult times in our lives. And this is why Paul is talking so much about suffering and groanings and hurtings because he knows when we are hurting and suffering, we forget who we are. And we say, maybe God doesn't love us or maybe God has forgotten to us. And this is why Paul says, and you can write this down, that we haven't been given a spirit of fear. We've been given a spirit of adoption. That the spirit reminds us who we are. Just like Rafiki goes up to Simba and says, I know who you are. And he catches him by surprise. You're a child of the king. The spirit does the same thing for us as we're going through difficult times. It says, Bobby, Irene, Karen, Ray, I know who you are. You are a child of the king. And we only are accepting that identity when we are living into it, when we are trusting that. And my friends, if you can trust that, if you can live into that, if you will listen to the Spirit day in and day out and allow it to inform who you are, there's nothing that can harm you in this world. There's nothing that can knock you from that base. There is nothing that can remove you from that foundation, knowing that you are a child of the King. There is no fear in that place when you know who you are and you live into it. So this is why Paul harps on it so powerfully that one of the major roles of the Holy Spirit is to confirm who we are, to remind us who we are, to tell us who we are. I, I really think that is 80% of the spiritual battle. If we can know who we are and to live in that and trust in that, we'll never run, we'll never hide, we'll never live in fear because we will know we are in the hands of of the risen Savior.
through the power of the Holy Spirit. So that the Holy Spirit reminds us who we are. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery, Paul says, to fall back into fear. You have received the spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is the very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. My friend, what if you walked out of these doors What if you woke up every morning believing that? Would you worry how big your paycheck is? Would you worry about what's coming tomorrow if you lived into the reality that I am not only a child of God, I am a co-heir with Jesus Christ, Lord of all. Do you see how that's the spiritual battle? And the Spirit is working in us to testify, to remind us, to tell us, you are a child of the King. It's like Rafiki banging us over the head. Remember who you are. And sometimes we need to be banged over the head. Amen? Amen. The second thing Paul tells us that the Spirit is at work uh, doing in us, that the Spirit helps us pray. The Spirit helps us pray. And Rafiki, in a way, does this for Simba because he says, hey, I can show you your father. He says, oh, no, you know, my, my father's long gone. He's like, nope, wrong. I can take him to you right now. That's the role of the Spirit. And that we might not know how to reach out to God sometimes. We might feel so far away from God the Father sometimes. And the role of the Spirit that's in us draws us to the Father. The Spirit helps us Communicate and commune with the Father. This is why Paul writes this, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that the very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. That's powerful. What he's saying is the Spirit is in us, and the Spirit knows us. And the cool thing is, is God knows the Spirit, because the Spirit is a part of God. And so the Spirit's work now is drawing us together. You might say, Pastor, I don't need any help praying. I I have too much to pray about. I might say, friend, maybe sometimes we're not praying for the right things. Maybe, and Paul says this, we don't know how to pray as we should. Do you catch that? You might have enough to pray about, but we might not be praying as we should. I think sometimes our prayers are too selfish, too self-centered, too short-sighted, and we're just treating God like a vending machine or a punching bag. And here we might need to have some humility that Paul tells us and to say maybe we should take a step back and allow the Spirit to move in us and to draw us closer to Father. I'm not getting weird on it. I'm just saying perhaps you should take a step back and have some silence in your prayers, allowing God to speak to you. Maybe you should take a step back and not read a grocery list all the time, what we need, but that we do believe and trust in the power of the Spirit working in us to draw us to the Father, to show us the Father, and to help us to pray, to bring up perhaps to our minds what we need to be actually praying about. 
where we need help and what we need to work for. A good way to think about it is this, that the Spirit is the power that takes our will and God's will and brings them together in prayer. The Spirit is the power that brings who we are and who Christ is and draws them closer together. And that happens in prayer. And, and I, I, I don't know what that looks like all the time in my prayer, but I believe and trust that the Spirit is working me, drawing me close to the Father. And that's the relational work of the Holy Spirit. That's the relational work that we saw in the story of Christ, that the Spirit was testifying to Christ who he is, drawing him closer to the Father, and that's the same work that the Spirit is doing in us. It's that relational communal work drawing them together. If, if you want to say it another way, that the Holy Spirit's playing matchmaker, you know, setting two people up to draw them in conversation. That happens in prayer. So allow the Spirit to work through your prayer life because the Spirit knows what we need more than we do. And God knows the Spirit perfectly. And third, Paul says that the Spirit's work is transformational in us. That the work of the Spirit is the power for renewal and transformation in our lives. He writes, so then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, but for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. What Paul is saying is that we do need to put the, the deeds of our sinful lives to death. And we talked about dying with Christ last week. We need to forsake our sinfulness. We need to put it to death. But the way that happens in us is the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't do it under our own power. It's the Spirit at work in us, giving us new life, putting to death the old sinful ways. The Spirit's power is the power of transformation. And in the clip, how that played out, you see that at the end, and after you've had this encounter with Simba, and, the, and he says, oh, I can't do it, though. I've been, I've been running for too long. My, my past is too hurtful. And Rafiki helps him transform. Rafiki gives him the strength that he needs to go forward and is cheering him on. That's the work of the Spirit in us. When we look and say, oh, pastor, I've just been living that life for so long. Uh, you, you don't know how much of a habit that those actions have become in me. I can't imagine my life without doing A, B, and C, living that way. And I can tell you, friend, I know a power greater than any power of habit or sinfulness. It is the power of the Spirit. And if you open yourself to it, it can work in you. This is what makes us Nazarenes. This is what makes us uh, those holy roller types because we really believe in the Spirit's power to transform and to renew. And notice we don't just believe that about ourselves individually. This is what Paul is talking about, that the Spirit's power for transformation and renewal is for all of creation. Just as you and I are awaiting the full redemption and adoption of our bodies, so too creation itself is groaning and awaiting its full redemption and adoption into God's plan of salvation, right? And so this is the work of the Spirit. Wherever there is renewal happening, wherever there is transformation happening, we can point and say, that's the power of the Spirit. And that's the power of the Spirit in us, Paul says, to put down the sinful ways of 
our lives. Okay, pastor, that's wonderful, but how, how do I get there, right? How, how do I, this is where we start to break down, because okay, I see the power of the Holy Spirit, I, I can believe in that, but how do I get to that point? So I can't reach out and touch the Spirit, the Spirit's not knocking on my door at 9 a.m. How do I allow the Spirit to work in me? Well, the most important thing is to have an, an open heart, to open ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit, to simply reach out and to pray and say, Spirit, work in me as you see fit, and to really have an open spirit, to really have an open attitude and an open mind to invite the Spirit at work in us. But also, there are steps. There are very practical steps, and I'm glad I can give you practical steps because I'm a practical guy. I like to give practical steps, and there are practical steps of how to have the Spirit work in you. It's kind of like, you know, you come home or you come in from mowing the grass or doing, you know, some dirty chore outside and you say, boy, I'd really like to get clean. But then you just sit on the couch and say, boy, I wish I was clean. Right? Uh, you know what you have to do. I know what you have to do. You have to go where you get clean. Right? You have to go to the bathroom, step into the shower, and let the water run over you. It's the same with the work of the Holy Spirit. We can't just sit in our, our couch, our spiritual couch. I like talking on our spiritual couch. We can't just st- sit on our spiritual couch and say, all right, Spirit, work in me. That's the same as sitting on the couch covered in filth saying, all right, I'm ready to be clean and doing nothing about it, right? There are practical ways for the Spirit to work in us. We call these the means of grace. And all we mean by that is the way God's grace, the way God's spirit works in us, the means, the way that spirit works in us. And there's no secret to them. We've already talked about some of them. When we pray, we are doing an activity that allows God's spirit to work in us. God's spirit can't work in us if we never open ourselves in prayer. We become people of prayer, and through prayer, the spirit does that work we were talking about in step two, of drawing us closer to God. We read scripture. We believe, and the church has always believed, that the role of the Holy Spirit works in scripture, speaking to us, using it to apply us to our lives, that we find out and see the will of God through scripture. So we read scripture. But we we also believe that one of the primary ways that the Spirit works, and this is why we have Pentecost, is through the church. And we believe that the Spirit works through Christians coming together out of love and unity to worship Christ. The Spirit is active there so that we can't be an island off by ourselves and allowing the Spirit to work on us, that we need to be united with the body of Christ. That's where the Spirit moves. It wasn't when Peter went up on the mountaintop by himself. It was when the disciples came together in the time of prayer, that the Spirit moved. We have to be together. The Spirit works through the body of Christ, the community. And I've always said, I don't, I don't, I'm not here to tell you what church has to look like. Church can be 10 folks in your living room coming together to worship Christ. I'm not a stickler about that. But the Spirit works through being with other Christians in community is a primary way that we have to be a part of. No matter how unpopular it gets, Today, to join together with a church as the body of Christ, we have to do it to experience the working of the Holy Spirit. And so as we come together, the Spirit works through worship. 
The Spirit moves in us in a time of worship like this. The Spirit moves through the time of preaching. We've all, always believed not only in Scripture, but it is the proclamation of the Word that the Spirit is active through us. The Spirit is active through the sacraments, and that's why we take communion every Sunday, because we believe that it is a means of grace through which the Spirit is working and presenting Jesus Christ to us. Preaching, communion, baptism, these are ways the Spirit works in us. And we also talk about, as Christ said in Matthew 25, that it's also as we go out and we serve the poor and the oppressed that the Spirit is at work in us, presenting Christ to us. That we can't just sit in our spiritual couches and we can't just stay in our holy huddles because the Spirit is out there at work. And as we go out and we serve selflessly and out of love, the Spirit is at work in us, purifying us, working in us, drawing us into the people of Christ. Those are the practical ways that if you do those, you will see the power of the Spirit at work in you. And so if you're wondering this morning, ah, I, I, I don't notice the power of the Spirit as much as I'd like. If you'd like to see more of the, the way the Spirit works in your life, if you're feeling empty, if you've forgotten who you are, if you're struggling with fear this morning, if you're struggling to put the, those sinful ways behind you and put them to death, can I tell you, friend, go where the Spirit's moving? To open yourself, allow the Spirit to work through you. Because if we faithfully respond, if we go to the shower, if we... Go where the Spirit's at work. I can tell you with an open heart, the Spirit will transform us. The Spirit will remind us constantly of who we are. And then Paul says in Galatians, we will have the fruit of the Spirit. And that's a whole nother sermon. But love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, faithfulness, and gentleness and self-control, those will be the fruit that we can say, ha, ah, there's the Spirit's work in me. And I'm not trapped. I'm not dead in my sin. I'm not fearful. I'm not wondering, chasing who I am. I know who I am, and I can see the fruit of the Spirit in me. And that's a beautiful thing as we live into who we are. There's a passage in the Gospel of John where Jesus is telling the disciples he has to leave. He will leave them, and, and the disciples are putting up a fight. Is like is often the case, they struggle to know what's happening in the Gospels. They are playing catch-up all the time. And Jesus says, no, actually, this is a good thing for me to go. Because if I don't go, then the Spirit can't come. That when I leave, you will receive the Holy Spirit. And that is a gift. That is a gift greater than we can imagine. And I hope we really believe that this morning. I hope we take the words of Christ honestly and trust them. That the gift of the Spirit isn't just an add-on. It isn't just a tack. It is the power of God working through us. It is God with us forever and ever. If it wasn't for the power of the Spirit, you and I would still be lost in the depths of our sin. So this morning, I hope... Do you feel maybe the Spirit wrapping you over the head? Ah! Remember who you are. Remember that the Spirit is at work in you. 
And if the Spirit is a work in you, that is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. If you can't trust in that power, friend, I don't know what you can trust in. Let us all trust and open ourselves to that resurrection power and the working of the Spirit. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have sent the gift of the Holy Spirit to us, that you haven't left us orphaned and alone, Lord, but that we can experience your presence on a daily, hourly basis, Lord. And so I pray during this time of response, as we enter into a time of prayer and communion, that your spirit would be at work in us on this corner of Hazel Mill in Louisiana, as humble as we might be, that you would choose to send your spirit to remind us of who we are in Jesus Christ, that we might experience the grace of Christ during this time of response. Speak to us, Lord. We are listening. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. As our servers come down and we prepare our hearts for, to respond to the word this morning, I'd just like to remind us that in communion, as we talked about, the Spirit is, back, is active to show us Christ. And when we take of the bread and we, we drink of the cup, we are reminded of the love of God. We are reminded of the cost that the Son of God went to reconcile us, to make us co-heirs with Him. And that work and that Spirit and that grace will transform our hearts will renew us. We believe you don't have to be a member of our church partaking communion with us. All that we ask is that you do put your trust in Christ, that you turn your life over to Christ and commit yourself to follow him. Then come, eat of the bread, drink of the cup, and the grace of God is yours. But also let this be a time of prayer, that the Spirit moves in your heart and moves through our church to lead us corporately too of what it looks like to be the body of Christ, what it looks like to be a child of God. You might need to be reminded. You might need to be encouraged. You might need to be wrapped over the head right now. I'd invite you to take time to pray in your seat before you come down and take communion. Take time to pray in an altar if you feel so moved. Anything that's laid on your heart, bring it to God, trusting that the Spirit will be drawing you to the Father. On the night our Lord was betrayed, after giving thanks, he took the bread and said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat whenever you do in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup and said, this is the cup of the covenant. This is my blood shed for you and for the forgiveness of sins. Take, drink, whenever you do, in remembrance of me. This time is a gift of the Spirit drawing us to Christ. Come with thankful hearts and expectant hearts of what God will do in you. Come receive the grace of Christ when you're ready. Let's continue in a time of prayer. Heavenly Father, we are here this morning to say thank you. Thank you for not leaving us orphaned. Thank you for sending your spirit 
to always be with us so that there is never a moment that we need to be alone, that your presence can and will be with us if we choose you, Lord. Thank you that you haven't left us in weakness, that we can have the power of Christ working in us through your spirit. The same power that raised him from the dead is at work in us. We are grateful for that, Lord. And thank you, Lord, that we don't need to live into fear. No matter what might be happening to our bodies, may not, what may be happening out in the world, Lord, that there is nothing that should give us fear, for we are children of the King. And so I pray that you would continually remind us of that fact. Every day of the week, every hour of the day, Lord, that your spirit would be reminding us, working in us, so that we only trust that we are children of God, that we are co-heirs with Christ, and we have nothing to fear, and that we would live into that, Lord. Give us that power. Give us that spirit of yours. Lord, I pray that uh, you would move us from this place, Lord, that your spirit would enliven us as the Asheville First Church of the Nazarene, Lord, and that you would send us from this place to be the body of Christ, that we would share your love and your grace and your hope with all those who come into our path, Lord, that people might see in us the fruit of the Spirit. They might see the power of Christ in us because the Spirit goes with us, Lord. And so I pray that you would lead us and that we would be faithful to respond, that we would be faithful to put ourselves under the guidance, put ourselves in the places that the Spirit is at work. Lord, we lift up those who are struggling today, those who are carrying a heavy physical burden or dealing with sickness in their body, Lord. We pray your hand of strength and grace would be upon them. We lift up Rebecca's uh, Father, we pray that you would remove the cancer from his body, Lord. Those that have friends and relatives dealing with cancer, we pray that you would continue to work in their lives. Those that are dealing, uh, recovering from surgeries, Lord, and, and procedures, may your healing touch be upon them. Lord, we lift up uh, Jan Thomas and pray that you would be at work in healing her back. We, we think of those that are dealing with chronic pain, Lord. Encourage them, renew them by the power of your spirit. We lift up those who are dealing with uh, emotional burdens, burdens for their loved ones and for their families where there might be division or pain or painful memories, Lord. Uh, we pray for reconciliation and peace in these situations, Lord. May you give us the strength to enter the hurting areas, especially in our families, and to bring healing and love and joy, Lord. So we lift those folks up that are dealing with those issues. We lift up our spiritual leader, Greg Mason, and pray that you'd bless him and give him wisdom and grace and pray that you'd bless the upcoming assembly for our, our district here in North Carolina. Lord, do your will. Send your spirit to enliven us as a district that we might advance the kingdom of Christ, Lord, and that we might be the body of Christ in North Carolina and that we might be faithful with all that you have given us. Lord, bless our, our church ministries in all the ways we are trying to reach out. Bless them and multiply them to the furtherment of your kingdom, Lord, and use us as you see fit. May we always, always, always be people that not only trust in the work of the Spirit, but that the power of the Spirit can be seen in. And when people drive by our church, when people enter our doors, come to a cookout, bring their kid to preschool, that they might know that the Spirit is at work in this place. The Spirit is 
one of peace and love and joy. It is the power of Christ and the hope of all. We love you so much, Lord. Help us to pray that prayer you taught us, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Church family, would you stand with me? May you be the people that trust in the power of the Holy Spirit. May you be the people that the Spirit is at work in and through. May you remember who you are and the power that is available to you. And let us give thanks for the gift that is, through Pentecost, the power of the Spirit for us and for all. Thanks for listening in today. I hope God continues to speak to you in the days to come and that you find whatever is the next step for you in your life. If you'd like more information about the church, you can visit our website at ashnaz.org or feel free to stop by the church anytime. We'd love to see you. God bless.